We have, I'm going to read two gospel readings from Luke today. Uh, this week and next week, uh, I'm going to preach two sermons. I intended to preach the same sermons I'll be preaching the next two Sundays after that in, in, in Wittenberg, uh, Luther's uh, town. I realized writing this, I'm going to preach the same themes with the same text. But, you know, context matters. So this sermon is going to be the glory of day-eyes diversion of, uh, of a sermon on, on the topic of vocation. So um, it'll, it'll rhyme with whatever we do in Wittenberg. The first reading from Luke chapter 5. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of the God. Word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into the one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat out and taught the crowds from the boats. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners to the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And from Luke chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. Sisters, brothers, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One of the teachings Luther called the church back to is a biblical teaching I don't think the church has completely found its way back to even 500 years later. And I think that worshiping out here today, out here in Munson's bar, out here in God's world, is a perfect time and place to remind ourselves of that basic biblical teaching which Luther felt the church had not only basically forgotten about, but it also pretty much perverted. 
I'm talking about Luther's strong belief that in the Bible's way of thinking, we are not called by God to be holy or spiritual by hiding or separating ourselves from the world. We are called by God to be the people of God in the world, including being so in ways that may not seem particularly holy or spiritual, and that guess what? To do that is holy and spiritual. Some background, in Luther's time, the common understanding, and this was the understanding taught by the church, was that a man or a woman became really, truly holy and spiritual by becoming really, really, truly religious by becoming a monk or a nun and thus becoming a full-time religious person who, being extra holy and religious, lived apart from this sinful world in a place like a convent or a monastery and who, being holy and separated from this world, would never, ever, for example, marry. Because that, of course, would involve the most worldly of all things, sin. <laughs> Those of us who are Lutherans today, of course, don't say that. And yet, even today, there are Christians, including Lutherans, who I think harbor ghosts of sentiments like that. Ghosts reveal when they say things like, um, well, things like that pastors, for example, or deacons, for example, who work full-time in the church have a particularly holy calling, Whereas other people, lay people, regular people, people like, well, most of you, for example, you losers, <laughs> don't. An overt example, now, I'm, I'm kind of grateful this doesn't mean, actually, I don't know if I'm grateful or not, but this doesn't happen as much as it used to, but people will introduce to me as someone, um, usually with pride, because if they're not proud, they don't introduce me anymore. <laughs> and then they'll say, this is my pastor. And then they will say, a man of God. I hope that's true. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm a pastor because I do believe that that is a call to me from God. And in the liturgy that we used, for example, the day when I came here to be a pastor and be installed at Gloria Day to begin my work as a pastor at Gloria Day, the church asked me out loud, the church does this, Paul, really, when they affirm people, to out loud affirm, and I did, that I believe my call to Gloria Day didn't just come from Gloria Day, it above all came from God. And I do believe that. I mean, sometimes, um, in dark moments, I'll have a doubt or three about that. But in ways I maybe can't explain, even to myself, that sense of call has continued so far anyway to steadfastly rise up to prove to be insurmountably bigger than my occasional doubt or three. And that's what's kept me going, being a pastor for going on 35 years now. I take that call stuff absolutely seriously. I do not know really how I'd get up and go to the morning to work every day if I didn't take that seriously. I surely don't know how I would ever be able to stand up and, and preach uh, if I didn't take that seriously. I wasn't convinced that my call is from God. Some calls from God 
my call from God, I should be more specific, one of my calls from God, I believe I have several, but some calls from God, some holy calls from God, are calls to do specifically religious or spiritual things by being someone like a pastor or a deacon and doing a lot of those things in places like churches. I believe that. Luther believed that. But what Luther also believed and believed firmly and believed that the church in his day had not just totally forgotten but totally perverted is that the holy calls, some are called by God to work in the church with, are not more holy. They are not one bit more holy than the calls God calls all Christians to when God's people are called to their work in the world. There's not, and this existed in Luther's time, this hierarchy of holiness in which professional religious people are glowing up there while everybody else, the poor lay people, schmucks, are waddling around down here. There is rather, Luther said, uh, and this is a phrase he used often and borrowed from 1 Peter 2, there is rather the priesthood, the priesthood of all believers. Speaking and writing on that subject, Luther used the Latin word vocatio, which is most often translated into English as vocation, which is a perfectly accurate translation, except that it loses something in the translation, because we, most of us, when we use the word vocation, we immediately think, and maybe only think, about our jobs. But that word vocation does not, first of all, mean your job. That word vocatio, first of all, means your calling. We are all, said Luther, called by God to holy callings. We just aren't, said Luther, all of us called by God to be full-time religious people. And even those of us who are called to the holy calling of being pastors or deacons and the like aren't called only to that calling. All of us have other callings too. I am someone in this world's husband. I am someone in this world's father. Until June 10 of this year, I was someone in this world's child. Since the day I was baptized, I have been God the Father and creator of this world's child. Those are all things that I am called. They are also, I would Luther believe, callings that are holy callings. Indeed, in 2016, when I accepted this call to be a pastor here at Glory Day, I did so believing that God's holy call to me to be a pastor here was at that time intimately and spiritually woven with what I believed to be God's blessing of my mother-in-law and daughter's calling to be grandma and granddaughter and to be able to do that together. Luther believed and believe firmly that the calls some are called with to work in the church are, of course, because they come from God, holy callings, but they are not one bit more holy than the calls from God we all of us have, calls which in many cases direct us not into the church, but of course into the world.
And yet, how often, not nearly often enough, I think, do you hear someone say, I'm called by God to be a school bus driver because I think God wants people to be able to go to school and get there safely. Or how often do you hear someone say, I'm called by God to be a lawyer and a good and honest and fair one because God wants the world to be a place where justice is served and is available to all. How often do you hear someone say, I'm called by God to be a farmer because God wants the world to be fed. How often do you hear someone say, I'm called by God to drive a truck for the sanitation department because God wants the world's waste to be managed and recycled for the good of the earth rather than pollutingly scattered all over the earth. How often do you hear someone say, I'm called by God to be a parent or a grandparent or a step-parent or a foster parent or an adoptive parent because God wants children and grandchildren and stepchildren and foster children and adoptive children to be so very strong with the kind of strength that can only be its very strongest when they discover how deeply they are loved. Often do you hear someone say, I'm called by God to be a sophomore in high school. Because God has plans for me. And guess what? Learning is part of the how often do you hear God say, I'm called by God to be right where I am, wherever I am, because wherever and right where I am, there are always, there will always be someone who needs a smile and a word of encouragement once in a while and a silent or sometimes, I mean, Lutherans don't know this, but sometimes you can even out loud pray for someone or bless someone. And I can do that right where I am. We are all, Luther said, called by God. It's just that whereas some of our holy callings call us to church, others of our holy callings call us as the church to the world. And so just a couple of minutes ago, we heard two call stories. Neither of which, by the way, um, took place at church. Both of them right in the middle of daily life. The first takes place right in the middle of Peter's daily life where he, like his father before him, is a fisherman. And Jesus comes to him in his daily work and says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And Peter leaves his nets and his fishing for fish to answer a new call and a different holy calling as a full-time worker in the church, if you will. But compare that to the second called by God story. We heard the story of Zacchaeus, who's whose job is one of the least spiritual, most despised jobs in, that anybody could possibly imagine in first century Israel. He's a tax collector, forcefully collecting taxes for Roman forces, which had forcefully occupied the land. Not only that, but tax collectors had a very well-earned and deserved reputation for dishonesty and for ripping off the poor in order to lie in their own pockets. But somehow Zacchaeus heard about Jesus coming to town and wanted to see him. Note to self, don't write off the Zacchaeuses of this world, for you do not know what is going on within them, including what is going on within them with the Holy Spirit. Because of whatever was going on within Zacchaeus, who everybody knew was a traitorous, cheating, get-rich-at-the-expense-of-others tax collector, Zacchaeus wanted to hear Jesus and to see Jesus, but he was too short. 
Grandma knows how this goes. If you go to Grandma, she will show you a picture of my daughter and her, and it says, life is short, so is Grandma. If you go back again, she will show it to you again. He's too short. And so he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Right? You know the story. You know the song. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. As a result of his encounter with Jesus, of Jesus coming to him, not at church but at his house, Zacchaeus was transformed. And he said, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. You thought tithing was a high bar. Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Here's the point in terms of today's topic. After that day, as near as anybody could tell, Zacchaeus remained a tax collector. And tax collector remained a profession that people detested, but Jesus rejoiced. Because why? Because unlike Peter, his call to Zacchaeus was not a call to something different with his life in a different place. Zacchaeus was called to live his life differently in the place where he was by, in his case, being a tax collector, a rare one indeed, who treated people fairly. And who, rather than taking advantage of the poor, very, very, very generously did what he could to help the poor. Those two different stories, biblically help us, I think, see what Luther was talking about when he talked about callings holy and spiritual callings that come to different people in different ways. Sometimes, like with Peter, our calling is to change everything and to live life in a new place or in a new direction, in a new field, which may sometimes explicitly be a religious field, but as often, at least more often, I'm pretty sure our callings, our altogether holy and spiritual callings are Zacchaeus kinds of calls. Calls that come to us right where we are and don't call us to live a different life in a different place or a different field. They call us rather to live differently where we are. By doing so, loving God, living the values God has given us to value and valuing and caring for the neighbors God has given us to love. Jim, if I may spur the moment, I heard someone ask you if you ever thought about being a pastor. And you said, I had, but what? You thought the world needed engineers too. <laughs> Good, honest, competent, God-loving, neighbor-loving engineers. Jack Fortin at Luther Seminary made the point by saying this, some people are called by God to be people who fish for people. Other people are called by God to be people who fish for fish. <laughs> to which I add, and some people are called by God to be you. And not just at church, but you in the world as the church, where through you and through the church, through you, because you are the church, God's love and God's loving desires for the world are lived in God's world. And any place where God's love is lived in the world, 
people of God, even if it's a tax collector's booth, that is a very, very sacred and holy place. For sacred and holy are all the places where our holy God comes to the world. And here's the deal. As long ago, at least, as the day you were baptized, God has said that one way God would come to the world was by coming to it through you. Wherever you are, everywhere you are, by being who you are, being exactly who you are, all the while, loving the God who made you, loving the neighbors who need to be loved where they are, including, oh God, may it ever be so, including when where they are isn't anywhere near a church. But that's okay, because where they are is near you. And you, called by God, child of God, you are the church. <laughs>